Welcome to America's Independent Voice Podcast. Everyone has a story and life experiences that when shared can be a benefit to others. Join us for conversations about the things that affect our families, communities, and nation. Hey folks, my name is J.C. Owens. I am your host, so let's get started with today's conversation. Hey folks, welcome back. J.C. here. And today's conversation is going to be talking about poverty and a whole bunch of things that are associated with poverty and why many Americans that we believe, think, or even portray themselves as being in poverty does not make sense according to what poverty standards are. I remember a handful of years ago, we had a president, his name was Barack Obama. And one of the statements that he was very adamant about is that he believed that there should be no American greatness, no American superiority, and that America should be very similar to any other third world country. I'm not sure why he made that statement. I know it angered a lot of folks, but that's what we're going to talk about today because that has a lot to do with a lot of the stuff that we're seeing today. I believe that looks like poverty, but really isn't poverty. And I have a guest, Robert. For many of you, you know who Robert is. If you listen to the podcast, he'll come in and assist me once in a while. Robert has had some very unique experiences around the world, spending time in third world countries, doing different types of charity and missionary work. So he's familiar with what poverty really is because he's seen it firsthand in many of these third world countries. Robert, just to get this conversation started, in your estimation and your range of knowledge, what does it look like in a third world country when you're witnessing poverty, real poverty, true poverty? One thing I've learned is that people in poverty, they learn to adapt to what they have. They don't seek more than they need. They don't buy things that are not necessary in excess. They buy those things that are just necessary for survival. They come to see that as just part of life. Most people that I've seen in my experiences, when you go to them and they are in poverty, they will give you the shirt off their back. They'll give you their last meal. So they tend to be more grateful, more generous for what they do have to try to help those around them because it's just part of the culture. If you have family or friends that are struggling, you try to help them out the best you can. They're not thinking about that next new television they're going to buy or the new cell phone they're going to upgrade to. They don't have those problems to worry about. With that said, what do you find the appearance? Because I'm going to talk here in a minute about my experiences in poverty. And that's poverty in America. Now, it was a different time. But what do you find the appearance of those living in poverty to be? And I'm talking physical attributes and just general appearance of those living in poverty. You can tell physically that they're hungry. They're not overweight. There are children that have distended bellies because of malnutrition. But the majority of people in these second and third world countries, because they don't eat as much as they need to survive, Uh, Their bodies are frail. A lot of times just their face, you can just tell in their eyes uh, and in their demeanor, they're hungry. So I see a lot of people that are frail, thin, and definitely 
you can just tell by the way they walk that they don't have the energy and the nutrition needed to go about their daily activities without some kind of pain or discomfort. And I believe that leads to a conversation that when you are truly in poverty, your life consists of survival tactics. So let me talk a little bit about growing up in poverty. When I was a young child, up until about the age of 12, we lived in the mountains. And I won't go into the reason why we lived in the mountains, but we lived in a small mountain community in northeastern Pennsylvania where we were able to grow our own food. Uh, the soil's plentiful with nutrients. So anybody that knows anything about the Amish country, we grew up in the mountains behind the Amish country in Pennsylvania. And we had very nutrient-rich soil. They say that there's probably one of the deepest topsoil bases rivaling almost any place in the world in that area. And we also raised livestock. We would raise livestock and we would butcher different various animals. And that's how we survived. We ate mainly off the land. And to be honest with you, looking back, what a wonderful way to grow up. I never really recognized it as a kid, but we were so blessed. But there was a point in my life where I went to live with my mother and it was in the city. My mother was, to say the least, an absentee parent. She was an alcoholic. She spent most of her time and any of the money that she would have gotten for us children in a bar. So oftentimes, and I would say the majority of time, we would have some very basic stuff in the closets. I know that we would collect government cheese, which we'd run through very quickly because a 10 pound block of cheese doesn't last long when four kids are eating it. We would have powdered eggs, powdered milk oftentimes. Shameful to say that I would have to say this, but oftentimes my brothers and I, we would have to go out and I would call it forage for food, but the technical term would be steal food. And we managed to do that. We actually used to even have a system when we walked into the store, one or two of us would pretend that we were taking something and the one that was non-obvious would be the one walking out of the store with the goods. We ate a lot of things like powdered potatoes, which freeze-dried potatoes aren't that bad. You can spice them up. If we could get bread, we would butter the bread or put some type of condiment on it and just pretend we were eating sandwiches. And it was fun. We made light of it. When you're kids, you do whatever it takes. We'd oftentimes go out and we would walk for hours collecting bottles and things. You could always take the bottle in and get a couple of cents for it. Remember those days? Yeah, it's been a few years, but yes, I do. Oh, yeah. I was, that was almost like a source of revenue. Now, myself, I was always a hustler, even from a very young age. And I would knock on doors to see if anybody would give me a little bit of work. We used to love wintertime because the minute it snowed, we would be knocking on doors, getting work, shoveling people's driveways and sidewalks. And you didn't get much for it, a quarter, 50 cents. Boy, if you got a buck, you were lucky. Although a buck went a long way back then. But we also had food stamps. Now, we didn't get much in the way of food stamps. It wasn't like today. And you could not sell food stamps and things of that nature. So people that got food stamps back when I was a kid actually used those food stamps. But for myself, I was so embarrassed to the fact that we were in poverty. I never let anybody know. 
So I wasn't the kid that walked around looking like I was in poverty. Now, let me tell you something. My brothers and I, we were lean as it got, but we were very active and in great physical condition. And my mother would not send me to the store with food stamps because it might take me hours to get back. I would literally walk five miles across town if I had to find a store and an area where nobody would know me so that I could go in and make a store purchase with those food stamps because I was so embarrassed to be walking around food stamps. It was just horrible for me, horrible experience. I always remembered looking back and I used to say to myself, when I am older, I am never going to have to deal with this. There was times that you would wake up in the middle of the night and you would go out and you would follow the milk truck around. My ears were attuned to that milk truck. Boy, I knew the sound of it. When I'd hear the milk truck going through the neighborhood, I would follow that milk truck around and they might drop a couple quarts of milk off in a milk box and I would sneak up and help myself to some. I'm Like I said, it's not something I'm proud of, but that was survival because when we woke up, we needed milk because we may have been able to grab a box of cereal somewhere. But no, we weren't overweight by any means. And you are correct. When I was a kid... I had other friends that were in the same situation I was. Very similar, as a matter of fact. It's ironic that a lot of us were in poverty, on welfare, alcoholic parents. I happened to be in a single-family household. I had other friends in the same, and we would meet in the streets at night, and we would go out, and like I said, we had ways to find food and things. We were always willing to share whatever we had. If I could get a chicken... You were going to get half that chicken if you were with me. We just had that sense of community, sense of sharing, because we were all struggling. And we shared food, and we would give anything we had, because when you don't have much, you understand what it's like for others not to have much. And I think it makes you very compassionate in a way that many would not understand. If you had something, you shared it. That was just the way it worked. But today, you go into what we call impoverished neighborhoods in the United States, and they have cars, they have shelter, they have cell phones. You see a lot of obesity in impoverished neighborhoods, in what we call impoverished neighborhoods in the U.S. But are those neighborhoods really impoverished, or is it just a mindset that people have gotten used to living under? Does that make sense? I think part of the problem is credit cards, because if you're dealing just with cash, then you can't buy what you can't afford. But with credit cards, you can go out and you can spend $100, $200 on a buffet and eat as much as you want and deal with the consequences of having to figure out how to pay that credit card back later. I think that's a huge part of the problem that we face here. And I agree. And I'm going to quantify that because typically many will start out even impoverished neighborhoods and communities in the U.S., many will manage to have a bank account or they'll obtain a credit card. And you're right. That's how a lot of folks end up with bad credit. But what I'm talking about is the fact that I don't see what we call poverty today in the U.S. as being true poverty. I think it's manufactured poverty. I think it's convenience poverty. We know that in the U.S. there is multiple generational obesity. Where does it come from? I remember years ago, they didn't want individuals to be embarrassed using their food stamps. So they created these things called EBT cards. 
I don't know what EBT stands for. I should look that up. But each month, your allotment of food stamps comes on that card. It's like a credit card. And it has led to all kinds of frauds and abuses. There's a lot of folks that are actually out there buying stuff that they shouldn't be able to buy with those EBD cards. Alcohol, some folks will sell those cards. And they're not using the money they're selling the cards for anything good. But what that tells me is that they really didn't need those EBT funds. They're just folks that are taking advantage of the system. There's a lot of abuse in that system. Maybe some of the obesity comes from what these folks are eating. I think it's shameful when you're standing in typically Walmart and there's an individual in front of you, and I'm not trying to be judgmental, but you have an individual that clearly is using government-supplied funds and you look at the shopping cart and everything in it is some type of quick meal. There's no nutritional value. There's nothing healthy in the cart. There's ding-dongs. There's cookies. There's ready meals to throw in the microwave. There's the quick-stop pizza, that type of thing. When I look at poverty in America, I really don't think that we have the poverty levels that many claim. I think that we have people that are stuck in a state of mind that they've actually put themselves in poverty because it's a convenient way to function and they don't have to carry on the normal responsibilities of normal life. They can just live that way and they get comfortable in it. It's not a great life necessarily. You're always waiting for the government to send your check or pay your housing or supply you with funds. But I even understand that a lot of these folks that are calling themselves homeless that are standing on the corners with signs saying, we'll work, we'll need food, ran out of gas, all of that. Many of those folks are collecting a monthly stipend from the government. They all have cell phones. We can't call those impoverished people because I've been to third countries as well. I've been to areas where you see children whose parents have maimed them so that they can sit on a corner with a little dish to collect money because tourists will feel bad for them. Have you seen that? I've seen it a lot in Mexico. It's a known fact that there's parents that will literally break their children's legs and have them mend up all deformed and use those children as a collection plate. Absolutely tragic. In third world countries, they sell their children because it will help the other parts of the family survive. It's a common thing. That's why a lot of human trafficking takes place in a lot of third world countries, because individuals are willing to sell children because they're trying to survive and life is that tough. When we look at America, I understand that there's a lot of people struggling, that they have problems. I don't think we have near the poverty that you're going to see in a third world country, which I consider to be true poverty because they're impoverished because there's no opportunity. There's no jobs. There's no free handouts. They are in basic survival mode. And you're right. It's tragic to see when you see a little child with a big old lump in their stomach and you know it's because of malnutrition. They're very gaunt. There's no cheeriness in them. You can see that their soul's been wounded. In the U.S., people in poverty, they're driving cars. They're collecting monthly checks. A lot of them have food stamps, WIC programs. They have housing. They have a monthly stipend in the form of a welfare check. We have individuals that have made 
an art out of it where they might have four, five, six, seven, eight children because the more children you have, the more money you get. When you see somebody who is obese, unless it's a situation where they have a health problem, obese people are not living in poverty. Poverty to me means that you don't have food. Would you agree? Yeah. Or the means to obtain that food. Yeah. Third world countries, there's no jobs available. None. It's why so many people flock to the United States. And years ago, most of the individuals coming over the border were pretty rough looking. You could tell that they had gone through some hardships to get here, but they were willing to do it because where they were from, there was no opportunity. So they were seeking to come to America. They wanted to get a job. They wanted to work. They wanted to better their life. And you cannot fault somebody for that. But when we see caravans of supposedly refugees is what I think the new term is, and they have brand new sneakers. They have nice, clean clothes. They actually look like they've been showering on a daily basis. Those aren't people seeking to better their lives. Their lives look like they're just fine. They got brand new Nikes on. But we live in this oxymoron of a world where these people are impoverished and they're really not. But I think that takes away from the people that truly need it. I think we have a lot of seniors that are living in the poverty level because maybe Social Security isn't what it's supposed to be for them. I've heard a lot of stories of seniors who will eat canned dog food because it's cheaper than buying actual food. And that's what I think is tragic because I think the people that are capable and able to go out and get jobs, a lot of them are sitting on their duffs claiming poverty. There is no shortage of employment out there. And you can find employment to fit almost any need. You just got to be willing to get up and better yourself and better your life. It really chaps my rear that there's so many people taking advantage of the system. And that takes away from the people that truly need things. If we didn't have so many people living off the system, we could have better schools. We could have better social services. I also think one of the biggest contributors to poverty is drug abuse. I see so many people on the corner. And you can see clearly that they are under the influence of some type of drug and very skinny, gaunt, almost look like they're impoverished, but it's because of the drugs that they're taking. The sad thing is how many parents are doing drugs and not supplying their children with what their children need. I know that experience. My mother used to spend any bit of funds that we had on alcohol. And oftentimes as kids, we were left wanting. And so we learned to survive. We learned to get out there and do things on our own. I don't accept any type of pity or poor me stuff from my upbringing. My upbringing made me who I am today. I am a fighter. I am a warrior. I am as strong as they come. You can put me in any environment, any situation, and I will survive. And that was because when I was a kid, we had to be quite creative on making our way. And I'm also, a lot of folks will find that I'm very generous. It doesn't mean I want a bunch of people showing up at my house expecting a handout because I won't give handouts, but I will certainly give a hand up. And once in a while, I'll see somebody that I believe the situation warrants maybe a little bit more than a hand up. Maybe they need a little financial help. And I've done that. And I don't mind doing it as long as I know that it's going to yield good fruit. 
but I will not just hand money out my car window to somebody standing on a corner. Because if you're standing on a corner, in my belief, you're not trying to get help. You're not trying to better yourself. You're trying to steal. That's what I believe. So you have any closing remarks, Robert? Just get your house in order. Get yourself into a better position with financial difficulties that are here and coming. You don't want to find yourself in poverty. You want to be prepared and get a food storage. Make sure you have a good job. Make sure you have some savings so that you can take care of your family and then hopefully maybe be able to help out some of your friends. And I think that's good advice. I think that for those that are in poverty, I know a lot of people have cell phones, so they listen to podcasts. If anybody's listening to this, I'm not being down on anybody. I understand we have emotional problems. We have this. There's a lot of mental problems. But if you're fully capable of working, do something to better your life so that the services that you're trying to take could be used for somebody who truly needs them. I think that's important. I think that if you're not in poverty, take the steps to make sure that you don't find yourself in poverty. And if you're already in poverty, take the steps because there's plenty of help out there that can help you rise above where you're at and better yourself. Make sure your children get educated, get them to school, do whatever it takes to make sure that your children do not fall into the same lifestyle and situation that you are in. Help them become better. And at some point, they might be the ones reaching to you and helping you get a foot up. In my family, I was the one that started it. I went through a bunch of hardships. I walked out of a jail cell and I said, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to worry about my family anymore. I'm going to do something to change our situation. And I started on a road to success and it was not easy. I could tell stories, long, hard stories. But I rose above it. When I started becoming successful, one of my brothers was in a jail cell. And I will tell you a story. I'm going to share this story, Robert. And it's not a kind story. But my brother was in a jail cell. He didn't want anybody to visit him because when somebody visits you in jail, for you to come out of that jail cell and go into the visitor's room, they will do a cavity search twice. And for those of you that don't know what a cavity search is, it's a finger in the rear end. And my brother one day screamed at me and he said, why do you keep visiting me? Every time you visit me, I got to go through this. And I just looked at him and I said, I'll see you next weekend. Because I wanted him to have the full experience. That sounds horrible, but I did not want jail to be a cakewalk for him. I wanted him to sit in that cell and not be happy and want to get out of there. And I was going to add to that in any way possible. And you know what? Apparently worked. Because when he got out, he changed his life. And now he is a very successful individual. My brothers, my sister, all came out of poverty. They followed my lead. They followed my course. We worked together on all different business ventures over the years. And everyone in my family is a success story. I remember how proud I was to be able to build my mother a brand new home at age 80. You know, my mother quit drinking at age 60. She lived to be 86. I look back, I feel so much gratitude for all of my blessings, the way that I was able to change my life, help my family change their lives, how my mother changed her life, being reunited with my father in later years, and we became just best friends. 
I look back and I have nothing but gratitude for my entire life. Everything I went through made me who I am today. And hopefully who I am today is an individual that can share experience and information with others to help them better their life. And that's a goal and mission of mine. It always has been. But that's all I have to say on that. Robert, I appreciate you taking the time to come in here today. I think it was a good podcast. I hope it's good for some folks to listen to. And other than that, I will talk to you soon. This is JC, and I am out of here. Thank you for joining us on America's Independent Voice. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please take a moment to rate our show. You can find us at americasindependentvoice.com. Until next time, y'all have a great and safe day.